0: Our guest today is Nikki Bentham, who has over 20 years experience in the film industry, having studied film production in her native Australia before taking on freelance production roles that eventually led her to producing her own projects and establishing Neon Films in London. Now, recently she produced the thriller Locked In, directed by Noor Wazi, and in 2020 saw the release of The Duke, starring Academy Award winners Jim Broadbent and Helen Marin which launched at Venice and then Telluride, as well as the music feature documentary, Who Killed the KLF? Well, we're here today to talk about her Oscar-qualified short film, The After. And this film, well, it's been creating quite the Oscar buzz, and it was listed on Variety Magazine's Top 5 for a possible Academy Award nomination. Now, The After is a gut-wrenching story about a man who grieves and who can't seem to get over a tragic event that happened in his life. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome founder and film producer Nikki Bentham of Neon Films and her Oscar-qualified short film, The After, to the show. Welcome, Nikki.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be with you.
0: Well, I know that you're... Not in London. You're actually in Istanbul, Turkey right now. What are you doing there? Is it film related?
1: It is. It is. I'm uh, halfway through um, a feature film shoot at the moment that we shot the first part in the UK. We're now doing a week in Istanbul. And then we move on to Italy for the final chapter. It's a road movie story. So it kind of sees us traveling through a lot of different landscapes and locations and um it's keeping me on my toes having to keep up with like such a busy crazy city but it's incredible here
0: well did you have any slowdowns in production due to the writer strike and the actor's strike in america
1: Um, I mean, on this particular project, I didn't. It's a British project with, um, it's a young, unknown cast, and they're actually all, so it's all equity, which is our sort of, our SAG equivalent, I suppose. Um, But yeah, so so it wasn't impacted by that. But overall, I mean, the industry in the UK, and of course, you know, everywhere, was really heavily impacted. So I think it's a big sigh of relief for everyone that things are sort of getting back to normal. Um, And I think there's going to be a really, really busy time ahead as everyone tries to catch up.
0: Yeah, I think the next year is going to be a madhouse for many people and as well as the studios. Now, let's talk about this incredible film, The After. Who wrote the screenplay and what attracted you to the script?
1: Well, it's interesting because I actually um, was attracted to the project before there was a script. Um, I met uh, Miss Anne Harriman, who's the incredible director of The After. Um, We met through mutual friends, and he is a world-renowned and really incredible photographer. And we met and we were sort of talking about a a project that we were kind of cooking up that was Something around some of his protest images, because he became quite famous for um, a lot of protest photography that he did around the Black Lives Matter protests in the uk and then and then also um abroad but he um and so we were talking about that idea and and he's he's a person who is absolutely full of stories who is full of empathy. And of course, anyone that sees his photographs can tell that he has an incredible eye. And so the more that we talked, I just thought, gosh, like, I don't know if this is a documentary about photographs and protest. I think maybe this, this creator has a film in him. And so I asked him, I said, have you ever thought about filmmaking? And um, to my delight, his answer was <laughs> that, yes, it's, uh, he'd thought about it a lot and all he'd really wanted to do since he was a kid and um, life had taken him in lots of different directions and he's ended up as a photographer, but, but filmmaking was always the goal. So we talked about a lot of ideas and he had this story. He had this idea for the after in his head and, um, and he had the character sort of very clearly drawn. Um, But, you know, he'd never written before. He'd never, you know, done anything in the film industry before. So we thought, you know, what we need to do is, is get a writer on board to kind of get this on the page, to kind of really extract and mine sort of everything um, that was, you know, that was kind of bubbling away. And uh, so we brought on board a, a fantastic young writer called John Julius Schwabach, who um, joined us uh, in order to write this beautiful screenplay. And um, he did, did a wonderful job of really working very closely with Miss Anne to kind of find, um, you know, to find the very best in this story. You know,
0: I have been amazed with this year's crop of short films because I'm hearing first-time directors, first-time writers that actually had a script picked up. uh, A lot of first-time actors, probably more this year than I've ever seen. I don't know if it was because of the strike, but, you know, as with short films, they're usually filmed a year ahead of time. So I know that that plays a big role. I was amazed to hear that Missan was, this was his first film to direct. And when you look at the finished product, it looked like he'd been doing this for years.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have to say he took to it like a duck to water. He was very comfortable behind the camera as he he regularly is. Uh, And I think that something that's really special about him as a person and as a filmmaker is that he has this incredible ability to really connect and to inspire. And so, you know, it was my job to kind of help build a really fantastic team around him um, and make sure that, you know, everyone had what they needed to do their best work. Uh, But, you know, really, he um, he had the vision and the ability to kind of really inspire and lead everyone to um, these great results. And so I'm kind of very proud of what we managed to achieve together. Well, you know, this is one of the highest quality
0: films I've seen this year. And there's a lot, but there's always that look that that's elevated among other films. And this film has it. How would you describe the story of the after?
1: Uh, I think, I mean, the story of the after, uh, it it starts, um, we we meet the central character, Dio, um, and it's a regular day in London for him. Um, And he's sort of taking his daughter to drop her off at a ballet recital. But uh, a strange and tragic turn of events means that his whole life is upended in a single moment and uh so from that moment on the story kind of cuts to sort of a a year in the future where we re-meet him and uh instead of being a, a businessman with a family who is sort of full of Life and potential um, he's now a, a rideshare driver and he's suppressing his grief and uh, really kind of not confronting the the tragedy that's um, that's happened to him and 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 we see him interacting with these different passengers and through sort of a random act of kindness he manages to to find a way to to cope and to deal with some of his grief and perhaps find a way forward so I mean it's a very simple story about quite an extreme scenario but I think that what really attracted me to it is the idea that in different ways all of us have experienced loss have experienced grief I think especially through recent times with with COVID and um, you know, all sorts of world events that we can feel very alone and, and hopeless uh, and and how just those simple human connections can really make all the difference.
0: You know, you bring up something that, and I've watched this film a few times, and you said something that really popped a light bulb into my mind. When he went from businessman to a rideshare driver after the event, was he in a way um, blaming his time as a businessman on not giving his family enough of his attention and then that lack of attention is tied to this tragic event per se. Not that the event was his fault in any way, but Hmm. life is fleeting. And from going from a businessman to a rideshare driver, it's almost like he looked at his past career as if it didn't pull me away so much from my family, maybe my family would have been, would still be here. Would that be a correct assumption?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, that's not actually a sort of explicit um, character note that we had, but but i do think that it's natural for anyone who experiences some kind of you know really shocking um loss in that way uh to question everything what could i have done differently is this my fault if only i would have and so there's definitely that element um but i think that perhaps it's more a case that he has given up on his previous life entirely because he he absolutely can't face it. I mean, he he can't cope with uh what it would mean to to put on a suit and have to go into an office and and talk to people every day. Um he can't really function on that level. And so he's found a way to become a little bit invisible. And I think that that was something else that i really really appreciated because i do think that in these kind of troubled times and with all of our like very fast-paced complicated lives you know every day we do bump up against different people whether it's someone that's driving you somewhere or someone that's serving your coffee or someone that you work with or and and really you know we you never know what people are carrying and you you just and, and that's something we really wanted to express was that you know it, it's worth taking time to just think about things from other people's perspectives because for you it's a, a fleeting moment in your day but you have no idea what that person is dealing with and we need yeah. to think of each other a little bit more
0: yeah you know the, the his character i mean you, you couldn't have picked a more stellar actor. And, and when I watched this film, I, I picked out three things in this film that he seemed to be tormented by. He believes that he may have not done enough to save his wife and daughter. He, he came to realize that he put work ahead of his family, and as many of us do, we take for granted our time with them. But then he never truly mourned his loss and their passing until the special moment Towards the end of the film, and mm. as I was watching it, uh, I, I, it must have been the third time I watched it. I, I was, the first time I didn't catch it, the second time I didn't catch it, but then I noticed that when he was sitting in the car, you know, he didn't ha- he didn't have any passengers, but he's he's replaying the message from his wife, and. Mm-hmm. I had to go back and listen to what she was saying and realize that that message was made the very same day of the event prior to them meeting up. And he had a smile on his face and it was, I think it was more joy just because he could hear her. He could hear the life in her voice knowing that she was no longer there. And I mean, it was, it was a kind of a, a heartbreaking scene for those that really pay attention to that moment,
1: yeah, I think that there's a there's a few sort of really delicately placed moments like that um, in the film that you know, and I, I think in in such a sort of short duration, it does manage to to pack a punch and to say a lot. But um, yes, definitely, that that moment is absolutely. Heartbreaking, and as you say, David Ayelowo, who plays the lead character, is just one of the most outstanding actors. And so we were absolutely thrilled that he, and kind of couldn't quite believe that he agreed to um, come and and star in it. But he brought so much to to the role and to the film. And I think especially in those quiet moments, because, you know, for the second part of the film, he actually doesn't have a huge amount of, of dialogue and it's really all on his face and all what's kind of being held very deeply in his heart. And, and I think you can, you can see it in, in every frame. Uh, he's just incredible.
0: You can, because he, he has a very wide range when it comes to acting. I mean, from... You know, from the Academy Award nominated Selma to mm-hmm. just playing a corrupt officer in Jack Reacher. So, I mean, he can play anything, but I have to ask you, what has been the audience's reaction to the violent scene? Because it took me by surprise because it happened so fast.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, I've had an opportunity to see it a few times now in a cinema with with an audience. And there is, without fail, audible gasps and, you know, people kind of cowering in their seats. Um, It's a really, really shocking and unexpected moment. Uh, And I think especially because it's, you know, without kind of wanting to give too many spoilers away, but um, it, it comes out of the blue and it's towards the beginning of the film so it's not i think it's quite an unusual story structure especially for a short film is that you know it's almost as if the climax feels like it's right there at the at the start Um, and then what follows is actually a much kind of deeper more intimate and personal exploration of how one you know normal regular everyday guy deals with the aftermath of of an event like that um so i think that it's and and it was really important to us to um to to depict that event um without sort of any gratuitous violence or or anything but to show the horror of what dio the the lead character, what he experiences, because you know that that was really the whole point was to have the audience sitting on his shoulder throughout, so that you know they understood exactly what it was that he was feeling in those moments where he's you know he's ferrying around all these different busy Londoners that have different you know different things on their mind, different. Things to get to different things that they're dealing with, and uh, and he's sort of absorbing all of their chaos and their anxiety, but you know not dealing with any of his own
0: feelings.
1: And it was really important to us that we showed that.
0: One of the things, one of the reasons why I loved the shocking event. I mean, and it was shocking. And ladies and gentlemen, no spoiler alerts here. Because it was so gut wrenching, it happened so fast. It allowed the audience to uh, to take on, not just absorb, but take on the shock and then carry their own feeling along with the main character that David plays. so that way the audience can actually understand and try and really kind of follow along and ride along with him with his emotions uh bottled up or not and and yeah, you know, normally you would maybe see a scene like that towards the middle or the end, but it was the catalyst that set the whole story off because the story was about him and the after. And exactly. So it was so perfectly placed. I mean, literally after it happened, I had to pause it and I go, okay, I got to catch my breath here. What just happened? Because it's that shocking. And it's shocking to the point, And there's elements of that scene that I would have never, ever imagined for someone to write and, and to actually film this scene. So, ladies and gentlemen, be prepared <laughs> for the after, yeah. because... It is a film that you will remember. Well, Nikki, I know that there's a scene where the daughter of the of the couple who are arguing that he picks up from the airport, um, and there he he he's taking them home, but the but their daughter has a bit of a resemblance, yet older, to Deo's daughter, and. It really kind of um, it's really kind of lighting the fuse at this point because he keeps, in a way, he looks in his rearview mirror. But I also noticed that the daughter of this couple, uh, she looked at him, and mm. and I was trying to wonder, was like, why did she look at him that way? Because then when she looked he kind of just glanced up in the rearview mirror and, and in a way kind of made silent eye contact. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, okay, this is setting off uh, something that we're about to see. Uh, but it's just, I hate to give the scene away, but I had to say, it was the hug that kicked this thing off. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I think it was very, You know, one of the things that Miss Anne wanted to explore in this film was the celestial nature of children, how their innocence um, means that sometimes they can see things that we as sort of busy, consumed adults might not see. And really for Dio, who is so alone and in so much pain, uh he needed to be seen by someone he he wasn't going to recognize that that suffering and his own terrible state that he was in and find a way out of it unless there was there was someone who could offer him some kindness and, and love and perhaps show him that there was a way forward and so the fact that you know this is this is a young girl who's a passenger in the car and her parents are kind of busy arguing and they're not really seeing her or thinking about her needs but she is obviously seeing and absorbing absolutely everything and she sees him and they do have a really beautiful connection and in her sort of offering him a a hug just a very kind of simple act of of human kindness uh, she does manage to unlock something in him and uh, so it's um, there there were a lot of big big ideas and big themes in that moment that we wanted to unpack and I'm glad to hear that you feel we did it successfully. What I loved about it is that it allows the audience to
0: interpret the scenes in their own way. One of the things that I was impressed by was that she hugged him from behind and not from the front. So it catches him off guard. And in a way, in that very moment, it was like his own daughter was telling him it wasn't his fault. It's okay to go forward. I will always love you. And then, I don't know why it popped into my head as I was watching that particular scene unfold towards the end. But y'all chose the song by Birdie, Let It All Go. And I went back, and I must have listened to that song five times in a row. I was like, oh my gosh, you couldn't have picked a better music bed for that scene. I mean, just the scene alone is an Academy Award winning scene. And then it goes forward, and then when the sun shines upon his face and he looks up to heaven what a moment
1: yeah it's um i mean miss anne chose that song and um felt like that for anyone that's on a mental health journey or a a journey of healing um that it really really resonates and i think you know he's absolutely absolutely right that it does and it's um you know i i think that moment at the end it's not about saying okay everything is everything is fine now everything is you know all healed all better but it's about saying that you know in those moments where you kind of feel at your lowest and like there isn't really any hope that if you can find a way to keep going then there will be a little bit of sunlight on your face and Maybe that'll be enough to kind of just propel you into the next, um, the next moment, and then the next and the next. So um, there was a very strong message that it's okay to not be okay, but just do believe that there's sort of there's something brighter ahead. And I
0: also thought as well is that this wasn't um, like saying, "Hey, you're healed over this situation." No, this was actually the beginning. Of his healing process. Yeah. And and like you said, it's just that light that just, that kind of gives all of us the idea that there's always hope. And, and I think he recognized that hope was shining upon him and that he can finally start moving forward. Because this was the moment where his healing truly started because he was bottling it up. You know, I think because yeah. I think the timeline on, on the film between the incident was like a like a year, and mm-hmm. and he'd been dealing with this and closing it up, and you know, in a way, trying to run away from it, but then he was reliving it over and over again. But I've got to ask you, Nikki. You know, besides the scene, what has been the audience's complete reaction to the overall
1: film? Uh, we've had a massive outpouring of of gratitude and people sharing their own stories um of of grief and loss and and obviously that is something that's universal and 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 the story that that we tell in this specific film you know it, it is a very extreme version of that but but it's been amazing to us to see how so many people around the world have connected with the themes and, uh, and with the message that we you know, we've wanted to impart, uh, so that it's been quite, it's been quite profound and really, really heartwarming that it's, it's touched so many people. You have quite
0: the film resume. Is this your first film to be Oscar qualified?
1: Well, uh, yeah, I suppose it is actually. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. And um that's a really, really wonderful feeling and I'm I'm so super proud of it and all of the, the amazing cast and crew that helped us make it so beautiful. And uh and I'm just excited to see what happens next on this journey. Yeah,
0: you know, when I when I saw Variety Magazine's article on their pick at this time for the top five, the after was listed at the top.
1: Yeah, it was. Um yes, and, it was. Um, it was listed
0: as number 1. You know, they were listing the 5. I don't know if they picked their picked it in their order, but the after was listed first.
1: It was listed first and uh well, I mean, look, it's I don't know what happens next, but that's a really nice place to be. It's a really nice list to be on and uh you know, I'm just happy that people are seeing it and and uh getting something from the film
0: you know i noticed that uh a lot of the short films now are uh putting it out there you know uh consider us so we all know that the short list is coming in december i really have no doubt that the after is going to be shortlisted um if it's not somebody's an idiot (laughs) 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 but because it's just that kind of film and ladies and gentlemen boy I mean what an incredible short film this is there's so much to unpack in such a short amount of time but Nikki I've got to ask you what is next for you
1: um so right now I'm shooting this road trip film which is an independent British film it's actually a UK Italian co-production and that will be uh, out next year hopefully Um, and then Miss Anne and I are, are sort of trying to work out what his first feature might be so I think that there's definitely an incredibly bright filmmaking future there and I'm really looking forward to working with him again.
0: Yeah, I was very impressed. I went back and looked at some of his photographs and it's amazing how emotionally powerful his stills are. And for him to become a bonafide filmmaker, um, you know, I think that career in destiny was just waiting for him and he really kicked it off in a very big way.
1: Yeah, he did. No, I absolutely agree that that is his destiny. And it's really, really exciting to be part of the journey, but also to kind of witness the, the birth of a of such an exciting talent in filmmaking. So it's just been a total privilege to be part of it.
0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, I got to tell you, the Oscar-qualified short film, The After, it is literally creating the strongest Oscar buzz of all the short films this season. Now, The After... It is a very powerful film and a must-see for every lover of cinema. Now, when you get the chance to finally see it, you need to anchor yourself in its emotion. This way, you won't miss the most important elements of this film. So, being that we need to realize, love those around you more in this life, as we're just a mere vapor here. And, Nikki, I want to thank you so much for coming on and and uh, sharing your film with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure and I'm so thrilled that you got so much out of the film and thank you for sharing it with your audience. And they can watch it on Netflix now because the, the After is on, available on Netflix oh, to uh- see around the world.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. The After is available on Netflix. So I'm going to tell you, you've got to see it. It's probably the most powerful 17-18 minutes you will ever see on film. And be prepared, but there's always a shining light, and this film will showcase that as well. So it may start off as a shock, but it doesn't end that way. But take away from this film, and like I said before... Love love those around you more. Pay attention to those around you more. Work can wait in many cases because we're only here for a short time. And remember, love conquers all but love is always remembered. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, again, just like Nikki said, The After is available on Netflix right now. And you can catch all of the replays of our interviews with the top film directors and producers, just like Nikki, as well as screenwriters, actors, and more on our YouTube channel, Bond on Cinema. We are available on a dozen audio platforms as well. I want to thank you for watching and listening. And remember, filmmaking is an art, and our guest and Bond on Cinema is keeping that creative art alive. As for me, I'll see you at the movies.